What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Fourth and Long Podcast. I got my boy Jace with me. I got my boy Carter with me. What's going on, guys? What's up, man? Man, a wild weekend of college football. We had a coach firing today, or yesterday. Let's go ahead and get on that. Jimbo Fisher was fired from A&M probably about three years too late and about $80 million too much. Yeah, I'm surprised that they did it this early. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. I think I think it was going down every year, but still, I don't, I don't think they wanted to wait another year. I don't think they wanted to give him any time to build a kind of like momentum around the program. Like, say, for instance, he wins next week. He will win next week. I forget who they're playing, but it's somebody horrible. Abilene Christian. And then uh, LSU, say he upsets LSU, and they end 8-4. and four. They win a bowl game. They're 9-4. There's momentum, and they didn't want to wait another year. So I do like the move. I just wish it was earlier, honestly. Yeah, I read a thing that it was like three times as much as the next highest bout ever. I don't understand what they were thinking giving this man that. He won a national championship because of Jameis Winston. Undefeated and, man, Jimbo Jimbo has lived his life because of that national championship. Yeah, dude, he's got more money he knows what to do with now. Golly, generational wealth from being fired. That's just, it's insane. Was it Kelvin Benjamin? That's exactly who it was, Kelvin Benjamin. Yeah. <laughs> that man was, was huge. Was nasty. He was huge. <laughs> that was the um oh, oh. Then the next year they went to the playoff and lost to Oregon. Yeah. Yep. And then it kind of imploded. Those are some good teams though, man. Those are some good teams. So I have some candidates. For the A&M job, you got Mike Elko, obviously. His name's been thrown around for months because of the success he's had at Duke so far. Uh, Lipoed because of the success at Kansas. You have you have Deion Sanders, who would be in – it would be just – College Station would have an earthquake if Deion Sanders came there. But it would be exciting. It would be exciting. You've got uh, Urban Meyer coming back. you got Dan Mullen. I don't think they'd settle for Dan Mullen. Who would y'all want at A&M? Doesn't even Man. have to be realistic. Dan oh, man, you said that yesterday. I'm serious. I, I think I think he'd be a good fit at Texas A&M. He just, he just didn't do much at Texas Tech. He had Pat Mahomes, didn't he? Yeah, he did have that. <laughs> he might be another QB whisperer like Lincoln Riley. He could be. He could be. <laughs> But Dion would be Dion would be insane there. It really would be. We were just talking about College Station would be rocking every Saturday. It would be a movie in in College Station. I think. Yes, who would you say? Dan Campbell. You know he oh. played. He played at Texas A&M. He ain't leaving the NFL. Shit. The college money's different. <laughs> <laughs> that Texas A&M money's different. Texas A&M is a bunch of money. It is. Did y'all see that check they like showed on Friday or Saturday? It's like 160 million from some donor. That's crazy. 160 million. They used half that for the buyout. And you never hear about their donors. Like who famous went to Texas A&M? Uh, some with oil. You know, Johnny Manziel was rich off that oil money. <laughs> we have freaking Shaq and can't afford to pay players. You got Walmart. Matthew McConaughey went to Texas A&M. That's a big donor. He went to Texas A&M? 
Yep. I went to Texas. He had to go to Texas. Texas ain't new. I'm looking at right now. What? I know he works for Texas. How does that happen? He might have been too stupid to get in Texas. Oh, man. Man. Matthew McConaughey. That's my boy, man. Absolutely. But I always see him on the Texas sidelines. That's why I always associate him with Texas. Kelsey said he was a... um. Uh, like a counselor at or a professor, he taught film at Texas. I think Peyton Manning might get something like that. Oh yeah, he could. I thought this was a college football podcast. Let's stop talking about this. All right. Takeaways. Takeaways from a wild week eleven with some stunning upsets and some ass whoopings. Uh, the Big Twelve is just not that good. That's my takeaway from week eleven. The Big Twelve is not that good. Texas is probably the best team and. That's probably not arguable, but Texas lost to Oklahoma. Oklahoma lost to Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State lost to UCF by 42 points on Saturday, and UCF has lost to everybody. It's, Man, it, it might be boring. Yeah. It might be boring, but it's entertaining boring. And like the Big yeah. Ten, it's, it's Oh, the Big 12 has been fun. The Big 12 has been fun. Keep it competitive. Everybody yeah. going to lose. I mean, it, it's insane. Kansas losing to Texas Tech. Uh, Kansas State rolled against a bad Baylor team. Oklahoma rolled against West Virginia. But man, every week something weird happens. Like Iowa State still has a chance to go to the, to go to the Big Twelve Championship, <laughs> and they've lost to Ohio and Iowa. <laughs> my second takeaway: Jaden Daniels should win the Heisman. That's my takeaway. Got some numbers for you. Okay. Jane Daniels Saturday had 606 total yards and five touchdowns. He's the first player in FBS history to have 350 passing yards and 200 rushing yards in the same game. One also, hold on one second. Also, he's the first player ever in FBS history to have 12,000 career passing yards and 3,000 career rushing yards. Name a player. They didn't do it. <laughs> Heck no. What's your question, Cord? Yes. Is Jaden Daniels a better quarterback than Joe Burrow? That's a good question. Mm-hmm. That is. If I thought about that. that team that Joe Burrow had, and you got Joe Burrow or Jaden Daniels, who are you putting on that team? I mean, Jaden Daniels has lost three games, so I'm saying Joe Burrow. Yeah, but you can I use mean, that in the Heisman argument as well. No, I don't know. I mean, with the Russian, Jaden has better numbers. I don't know. That's tough. I just it think is you tough. put either one of those quarterbacks on that team, they still wouldn't have that What's crazy about that is that Joe Burrow broke the record of, like, biggest difference between Heisman winner and the runner-up, and Jaden Daniels might not even get an invite. That's crazy. It's solely because of the three losses, though. Yeah. That's it. That, and, it's, and it's stupid. It's stupid. He is my number one Heisman right now. I know you said you had an Instagram poll or an Instagram graphic. And he's he, been the best player in college football. For best sure. player in college football. So that is there, compared to the other best two quarterbacks in the nation. So Knicks, Michael Penix, and Jane Daniels against top 50 defenses. Bo Nix has had one game, 248 yards and two touchdowns. Michael Penix has had four games, 1,200 yards, six touchdowns, three interceptions, negative 25 rushing yards. Jaden Daniels has had five games. He had 1,400 passing yards, 13 touchdowns, 
four interceptions, almost 500 rushing yards, and two rushing touchdowns. I got. I have his stats right here. I'm just going to do the season stats, and I'm going to show you all the rankings where he compares to everybody else. 3,164 passing yards in uh, 11 games, or 10 games, in 10 games. That's over 300 yards a game. Uh, it's third in the nation. 30 touchdowns. That's first in the nation. Four interceptions. I don't know where that ranks in the nation, but I know it's got to be pretty pretty low. 918 rushing yards. That's first as a quarterback, and it's like 25th as a running back right now. Um, and also eight touchdowns, which is, I think, fifth or sixth in quarterback rankings. But it's just it's it's been a crazy season for Jaden Daniels, and he's been amazing. But the the Joe Burrow and Jaden Daniels conversation is interesting. Last year, I would have said that was one of the dumbest conversations I've ever heard if you compared those two. But this year, he has been that good to where you could you could make an argument. I have a question. When's the last time we saw a quarterback make a a, a leap like Jaden Daniels has between last year and this year? Yeah, I think Joe Burrow. Yeah, I think so, too. Or, or Bo Nix. Yeah, yeah, but I feel like he, he progressively got better. Jaden Daniels yeah. came out of nowhere. I can't remember Bo Nix's first year at was Oregon. Terrible. At was Auburn. What was his first but, year at uh, Oregon last year? Oh, yeah, I believe so. That was his first year at Oregon. Okay. That, that is a pretty big jump. But, yeah, um, yeah, it probably is Joe Burrow. Wow. Hey, when Joe Burrow, like, straight Ohio State? Yeah, he's behind Braxton Miller and uh, JT. No, um, Cannon Arm. Oh, Cardell. Cardell. Yeah, Cardell. Cardell. Let's get to my third takeaway. The Michigan situation is just hard to watch at this point. The sign stealing is ridiculous. Connor Stallions, all the news is so annoying. Jim Harbaugh suspension is warranted to me. But it's still just annoying to keep up with. And the Sharon Moore speech. Oh, let's let's hold on. Let's hold on. Every let's hold on to everything. They they're not even fun to watch. That's the bad thing. It'd be it'd be cool if they were dominant as hell with all these allegations going on. But they're not even fun to watch. McCarthy threw the ball eight times, and that's not really a shot at McCarthy because the run game was working like butter. But they're not even fun to freaking watch. And Sharon Moore, that speech, that speech was unbearable. Oh the, my crying, God. the crying, the <laughs> crying. I love this shit out of you, Harbaugh. I love this shit out of you, man. He ain't dead. He's not dead. Golly, McCarthy saying I miss him. He saw him two hours before the game. This is you would have thought they won the playoffs. He's, he's sitting on a couch watching this in a probably a five star hotel. Golly, I don't understand it. That man boohooed. He boohooed on live TV, his first conversation ever on TV, and he cried like a baby. He boohooed hard. He did. He did. He cussed four times while he was crying. So what was – which speech was worse, <laughs> that one or Ryan Day after they beat Notre Dame? No, it's it's Sharon Moore. It's Sharon Moore. Yeah, it, it has to be. Ryan Day had some – he had a um, – what is it called? Something on a chip on his shoulder to an 85, 90 year old man. But I would oh, still yeah. say this is worse than that one. <laughs> and it was a better win. It was a better win going into uh, Notre Dame. I know Notre Dame's kind of fell off, but it was a last second win. It was defense like crazy. There was never a shot that Michigan was losing this ball game on Saturday. 
No. It was never a shot. I, there was never a doubt in my mind that Michigan was not coming out on top. I don't care if it was 17 to 16. I knew James Franklin would not get it done. Drew Aller played like a trash can. You could have put me and Carter out there, and we could have uh, switched reps, something. You could have put, um, what's his name, Sean Clifford out there for his seventh year, and he'd have been better. It was in. You could have put Saquon Barkley back there, and he would just run the damn ball. It's insane how bad Drew Aller was Saturday. It's terrible. He made some plays with legs. Come on. Oh, my gosh. He's 6'8". He's 6'8", 300 pounds. He better make plays with his legs. Dude, it was kind of crazy, some of the plays. Like, it looked like he was running in slow motion, and guys were just falling over. Like, what the heck is <laughs> going on? <laughs> Let me give you his stats. Let me give you his stats. This is the first. I, I know he's a young kid. That's the thing. He's 19 years old. And the way Penn State quarterbacks play in Michigan, he'll be there until he's 26. And he will probably be fantastic by the time he's that old. <laughs> so I, I want to give some clarity on this. He's a young kid, man. And I know he has the potential to be great. He's a five-star. But a five-star does not do this. 10 of 22, 70 yards, and one touchdown. He had a fumble He had a fumble loss. And he was throwing balls 10 yards away from his receivers. On fourth and six, that ball went to nobody. It could have been intentional grounding. That's how bad it was. God, that game pissed me off so much. I think I hate the Big Ten more than you, Jason. And then the icing on the cake was James Franklin going for it. Going for two. What was that? This, this, this ain't even supposed to be the game breakdown. But we got to just go ahead and get this the hell out the way. I don't want to talk about it anymore. James Franklin goes for two in the first half, first of all, to make it 14 to 11. What's three points going to do? What's a three-point ball game going to do for you in the first half? He might he might have been thinking that points are so hard to come by that it might be 14 to 11 with a minute left in the fourth quarter and they need a field goal. So maybe it was that. But first of all, that two-point conversion play was abysmal. And then you go into the fourth quarter down 15 points, 15 points, and 20, 20, you score 24 to 15. And for some reason, you are thinking that points are easy to come by. So you go for two there. And you're still down two possessions when you miss it. 24 to 15, a minute and a half left, still two possessions. It just it just makes no sense. And he tried to defend it like we were chasing points. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, did you see the, uh, the press conference afterwards? They asked him why he did it, and he couldn't give him an answer. I don't know, Frank. I gave you the answer. And no, you didn't. Yeah, he said, no, you didn't. And that was a hell of a reporter right there. Yeah, I love it. Golly. Now, the thing is, in the first half, James Franklin showed some balls. I mean, he went for it on fourth and six at the 40-yard line. And I was like, this, this, this is what it's going to take for them to beat Michigan. This is what that it's going to take for him to – He was <laughs> balls deep. <laughs> <laughs> but this is what it was going to take to beat one of the big boys. He didn't get it done against Ohio State. Had one touchdown against Ohio State. Let's not forget that. He also – had and I'm a Penn State supporter. Let me say that the Whiteouts one of the most coveted events I want to go to in my lifetime, and I will shake the hell out of James Franklin's hand if I ever meet him. So let's just get that out there. But I thought that because he was doing stuff like that, that they were just going to go balls. Well, that's a lot of balls um, statements. But I thought he's going to go balls to the wall. And just, the ball. <laughs> but he did. That. He choked. He choked again, and he. He shriveled up, man. It's it's ridiculous. I can't believe Penn State went out that way. Scored 15 points at home. Biggest game of the season. Your season's over now. As much as people want to hype it up and, oh, this could be a New Year's Six team. 
They don't give a damn about a New Year's Six Bowl. Their the season's over. Their season's over. And I'd, Arkansas, I'd, I'd kill for a 10-2 and two season. I want to get that out there. But they don't care about a 10-2 and two season at Penn State. I really feel bad for uh, Black Corum because he carried Michigan. Did you see him after the game? He looked like he got his ass beat by somebody. Yeah, he got – it looked like he got punched. Well, McCarthy, McCarthy threw eight passes, and he's on in the Heisman conversation. Blake Corum looked like he got hit by a big truck, and they ain't even talking about him. Nope, nope. You ain't heard Blake Corum once this year. No. You know who kind of disappeared for me? Donovan Edwards. I ain't heard of Donovan Edwards since the playoff game last year. I haven't either. Um, but Blake Corum, a hell of a day for him. 26 carries, 145 yards, two touchdowns. He was the MVP of this ball game, unless you want to say Michigan's defense is. Uh, but that's the thing. Penn State has a national championship caliber defense. They really do. Yeah, they, they do. Really I'm surprised do. that Michigan had success running the ball like they did. Oh, my gosh. That's what I was surprised on. They just, like Coach Sargent said, just they just run down their throats. <laughs> Being um, an athlete. Being an athlete. Blake Corum was an athlete. Blake Corum was carrying people to the end zone. Uh, yeah, both a dog. So, yes, um, Jerome Moore needs to cry and say he loves the shit out of Blake Corum. Yeah. So, the only time in this ballgame where I was like, Penn State might have a chance is when they were down 14-3, to and they come out, and that's when, that's when James Franklin goes for it on fourth and six, and they score a touchdown just right off that drive. So, it's 14-9 to because of the two-point conversion. Then they get the ball in the second half, and they're getting close to midfield. And Drew Aller gets the ball knocked out in the easiest way possible. It looked like somebody blew the ball out of his hand. That's how it came out. It it was the weirdest thing I've seen. The replay made it worse, and it just fell out right into Michigan's hands. And that was that was pretty much it because they just they just had no offense. Yeah, it was pretty boring for that to be such a big time Big Ten game. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was really hyped for that game. I was hyped for the defensive matchup, and the defensive matchup was good if you if you love defense. And uh, JJ McCarthy after the game said that's Big Ten football. Um, he, said, he was damn right about that. That's a Big yeah. Ten football. Well, that's a Big Ten football. <laughs> terrible football. <laughs> hey, hey, we got to talk about we got to talk about another Big Ten game: Illinois and Indiana. Did y'all see that? Forty-eight to. I think that was the best Big Ten game in twenty-five years. <laughs> That's the epitome of Big Ten football right there, man. Man. Um, Indiana, or Illinois, won 48-45. to I got the stats somewhere around here because I had to talk about this game. Uh, the line was 42 in this game, and they combined for 93 points. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't like overtime made them combined for 93. They had, they had 80, um, yeah, 84 to end the fourth together. Yeah, somebody's coach bet over. <laughs> yeah, okay, I want okay. to get old Brett back to him. <laughs> no, no, I don't want. I don't want him. I don't want him. Do you know I met Brett uh, Bielema at a uh, cookout and win? We had like a, uh, it was like a, a function or something. I don't know what you call it, but um, we were kind of letting him just have his speech, his first speech as the Arkansas coach. He was just hired, and it was a cool thing to go to. Ate some barbecue. I um, no, I swear to God, I swear to God, my dad's friend, my dad's friend cooked the barbecue. 
Uh, okay, I got my I got my Illinois Indiana stats. It's so it's so far down here, unfortunately. Um, Luke Altmyer, Jace, you know who Luke Altmyer is? I do not. He was a former Ole Miss quarterback that never really got playing time, but he transferred to he transferred to Illinois. All right, and he's been their quarterback all season, and because of him being a quarterback, Illinois have had the offense the type of offense that you would expect from Illinois in a Brett Bielema team. But he got hurt. John Paddock comes in and replaces Luke Altmyer. And this is a uh, – I think he's a – I don't want to say he's a freshman because I'm not sure. He threw for 500 yards and four touchdowns. And that's the, that's the backup quarterback. <laughs> What's going to hold my beer? And there's a exact there's a news article going around about quarterback controversy. Who should they start? Boy, if they don't start John Paddock the the rest of his tenure, I don't know what I'd do. He's a senior, actually. Is he really? Well, he better he better finish these last three games for Illinois. Yeah, never uh, But that was a heck of a game, man. Talking heck about of a game. Your opportunity right there, huh? <laughs> let's go let's go ahead and get the big 10 uh the other game out the way maryland 13 to 10 over nebraska now this is a big 10 game right here nebraska they get beat on a last second field goal for maryland maryland secures bowl eligibility nebraska is still looking for it they had a perfect opportunity two weeks ago against michigan state or last week against michigan state and michigan state shocked them and oh boy nebraska loses again to maryland this is Jeff Sims played in this game. You remember Jeff Sims from the Colorado game? He don't was eight for him. don't want to remember. Eight for 13, 62 yards, two interceptions. His stats on the season as a whole. One touchdown, six interceptions. <laughs> oh my God. Think, think he's gonna get drafted Louisville? <laughs> oh man, he better not. He better not. I could accidentally do better than that with my left hand. <laughs> another thing, Mississippi State started their third string quarterback against A and M the other day. He started off one for five and three interceptions. <laughs> <laughs> Who was it, Walker Howard? The no, uh, uh, Mississippi State. Yeah, Walker Howard transferred over there. Oh, Mississippi State. I'm sorry. Never mind. The old Miss. Uh, let me, yeah. Let me see his name. I don't know his name. <laughs> I gotta see his final stats. That's all I. That's all I read. Just the first five Lord. completions. No, that's the um. um that's, that's that was the same, stringer, I think. That's the same Mike Wright that came into Fayetteville and put the whoop ass on the Hawks. Hey, let's get something straight. He ain't do a damn thing. He, <laughs> he did didn't more, do a damn yeah. thing. He did more than KJ. That's for sure. His name is. Oh, that's Mike Wright. Five, he was five for Mike Wright was five for nine, sixty-eight yards. Chris Parson. He finished five for 12, three interceptions, zero touchdowns. What a day. And uh, Texas A&M, we're just kind of flip-flopping from games, but it don't really matter. These games don't really matter, um, especially now that the head coach for Texas A&M is going. Um, <laughs> Texas A&M's third-string quarterback, you know, Wigman's out for the season. Max Johnson got his ass beat six weeks in a row. And Jalen Henderson, their third-stringer, came in, and he was a beast against a – Bad, a bad Mississippi State defense. Let's get that clear. A defense full of seniors, though, Jace. A defense full of seniors that I talked about at the beginning of the season. Uh, That's kind of, <laughs> kind of crazy that these teams played, and after the game, both head coaches got fired. Both of them. <laughs> both, 
Man, we didn't even mention Zach Arnett got fired. Hey, Zach Arnett got fired, everybody. Both uh, schools that I had enough of this year. I hope, I hope, uh, I hope Jimbo, Zach Arnett, and Sam Pippen in a group chat right now. Uh, oh yeah, good. They need some convincing. Somewhere. Wonder, wonder why Mississippi State's buyout didn't get didn't get leaked. <laughs> probably, probably a hundred bucks. Yeah, uh, Zach. <laughs> a couple cows. Zach Arnett was the uh, lowest paid coach in SEC. I don't think he was making a million dollars. I bet they'd give him like an acre or two. Uh, Jalen <laughs> Henderson, back back to the point, back to the point. Texas A&M started string quarterback. He played at, um, oh, I'll have to look it up, 11 for 19, 150 yards, two touchdowns passing, 12 rushes, 60 yards, and two touchdowns on the ground. In his first start, Fresno State, Fresno State, I think he had like five or six pass attempts ever at Fresno State. The worst is, I keep bringing up Arkansas, <laughs> That's all right. Um, I don't think KJ completed a pass past the line of scrimmage the whole time they played Mississippi State. I don't know if he completed a pass, to be honest with you. Um golly. Boy, Carter, you should have been there. We'll never we'll never forget that ball game. So no one's heard the story of Cameron dragging me to Fayetteville. So I never seen Arkansas Stadium. I'm like, yeah, I'll go. We'll double date. Cameron, his fiance, me and my wife, we go. We have to take a bus to the stadium because we park so far away. Yeah, but the bus um, was a good idea going there. So yeah, yeah, we get there, everything's cool. Um, the game is absolutely terrible. I get Pretty sunburnt. Good. I get sunburnt. Um, I pay ten dollars for beer per beer. Per it's beer. Ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. There per was only we had, one, a, we had there was only about six or seven of. There's only one touchdown scored the entire game, and I was using the bathroom when it happened. Yeah, we missed to get. I missed to get beer, and he was in the bathroom. Yeah, and then this horrible game ends, and we go to the line for the buses, and they're like, "Yeah, it's like a two and a half hour wait." So we're like, "No, we didn't park that far away. Let's walk five miles." And two hours later, we're still walking up a freaking hill. Yep, all that to go to Dixon Street, and we didn't even stay and eat on Dixon Street. We drove out of town and ate on the way out. It was, some good it, was hor- it, it was horrible. The place we went to was nice. Jace got some drink that was so good, man. What did I eat at? I got it. Uh, I forgot what it's called. But I'll, um, I'll have to figure it out. Kelsey remembers it because she liked it a lot. Um, so, I got a drink that wasn't good, but it put me on my ass real quick, real quick. That was a fun ride home. So to sum it up, y'all had a real Razorback. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what you can expect going to a Razorback game. I'm all about seeing new stadiums. I saw Fayetteville. I don't want to see it again. <laughs> you wait till Deion Sanders gets gets in that thing. Oh, that yeah. place is gonna be rocking. Rocking out of that boy. Hey, Jace has to admit the first play of the ball game. Mike Wright threw an interception. We scored our only points of the ball game, but that interception had the place hype. And then, and then, let's not forget this. We didn't talk about this. There was a Carter. There was a. A fourth down. Mississippi State's going for it on fourth down. We're down seven to three. It's in the fourth quarter, about eight minutes left. And for some reason, Mississippi State's going for it on fourth down. It's like fourth and two, and they're at their own 30. And the snap goes over Mike Wright's head, and he can't get on it. He dies for it. He kicks it. We pick it up. We run it in for a touchdown. And Jace can attest to this. The place was going crazy. We were stomping. The, it was it was so loud. It was so loud. And there was a flag 
for a false start before the play happened. They didn't call it dead, and we ran it back for a touchdown. Yeah, that was pretty hype. Oh, man. I will say, Arkansas, for them having a smaller stadium, they had it really well. How the stadium was built, it looks way bigger than what it is. Um, But, yeah, but we, we have the fans, too, to have a good program. This is That's actually really the, uh, the, the right moment. Really we do, because, I mean, it's in-state talent. I mean, best best players coming out are me, probably three-star, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, if you, like think, that, brother. If you think about it, like, it's hard to recruit Fayetteville, because who wants to live in Fayetteville? So, say a D1 athlete has a, a full ride to go play at Arkansas, go play at Miami. Why would you not want to live in Miami? Yeah. It is. What it is tough. Money? Yeah, that's what we need, and we we do have some money, but we don't have money like a lot of other SEC programs. And Texas aren't. and Oklahoma coming is just going to hurt us. <laughs> the uh, the ride home from this game was actually what got the pod started. That is true. That is true. I had a euphoric moment and said forts along, and Kelsey had to pull over because it was such a good idea. Yeah, she had to pull over because she was boy. They were they were annoyed at us. Oh my god! I tell you a story about Cameron. Uh, <laughs> oh, we we can we can say it right now. We just gotta cut it. All right, yeah. So All right, back to the games. back god. to the re- regular scheduled podcast. My fourth takeaway. We're just on the takeaways right now, fellas. Georgia. This is my first time saying this this year. Georgia could three peat. This is the best they've looked all season. This three-game stretch has been unreal. They finish it off next week at Tennessee, which will be tough, but Tennessee's coming off coming off and has beaten herself. And uh, Georgia just looks dominant. The win against Florida was hyped up. We thought we thought it'd be a pretty good game. At least at least I did. And Georgia beats them by twenty-three. The next week they beat a good Missouri team, a really good Missouri team, thirty to twenty-one. And then yesterday they beat a really good, who I thought had the best shot at upsetting them out of all four of these teams. They beat them fifty-two to seventeen. Yeah, I was, I was willing to bet everything. <laughs> yep, and four. I mean, fourteen to four. That first drive Ole Miss had, I was like, man, this could be fun. And then it was fourteen to fourteen, and then it was forty-five to fourteen. I want to go on record and say Carter predicted eighteen upsets last week and did not get any of them right. <laughs> Carter, did you pick the UCF upset? <laughs> I did. No, you did not. You said Ollie Gordon's going to have a field day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that man had 12 rushes, 25 yards. <laughs> I give up with the curse on these teams, man. <laughs> um, so, some stuff we can discuss. Penn State, back to Penn State. We don't have to spend much time on this at all because I don't really want to. Penn State fires their OC, Mike Yersich, and um, I think I think it is a good step forward. I knew they weren't going to do anything with James Franklin because I don't think they should. I don't think they should do anything with them yet. But firing their offensive coordinator makes them look serious about we're not going to be the third best team in the Big Ten forever. <clears throat> like they're they're going to have some change and they're going to get they're going to pay a pretty good offensive coordinator to come in there. And so it really might help them. And Drew Aller needs a whole different playbook. He needs a whole different practice schedule, routine, itinerary. Um, and maybe a new offensive coordinator can do that for him. Drew Rather needs to have reconstructive surgery on his throwing arm. But the thing is, though, they have the 
have some wide receivers to help him out. Dante Sevis is a beast. Lambert Smith is really, really good. They have two great running backs. Nicholas Singleton, Catron Allen, they have two great running backs. They have all the pieces. And Penn State always has a good offensive line, but never a great quarterback. Besides, um, um, what's his name? What's his name? He went to uh, he went with Saquon Barkley. Trace McSorley. Trace yeah, McSorley. He was, he, was, he was a stud, man. He was awesome. That, that Penn State team from that year with him and Saquon was so cool. They were so fun to watch. Um, what were some of the most surprising things from y'all for y'all, um, or things you were wrong about from Saturday? I have a whole list of them, but y'all can go ahead. I got a little bit of a list. Um, number one is Arkansas getting murdered. Murdered. I picked them to win. No motivation in that team at all. Nope. I think this should actually rank above what I just said, but Jimbo getting fired, I did not see that coming either. Okay, okay. And then uh, uh, – Ollie Go Gordon ahead. had a horrible day. Didn't see that coming. Day. 25 rushing yards. Um, Colorado having a chance late at Arizona. Yep. That's all yep. I got. We'll talk about that game later. Carter, what about you? Um, Most surprising to me is Ollie Gordon letting me down. Completely letting me down. Uh, Colorado actually being competitive with Arizona. I think Arizona is over now. Um. And Corey Strader didn't really know much about him until I was in game. He had a day. He had a day. I think he's the best running back in the SEC. I don't know who else I'd put up there with him. Yeah. Huh? I don't either. I mean, the, the plethora of running backs that Bama uses are all good, but I don't think they're as good as him. Yeah, when you think about yeah. it, it's kind of a down year for SEC running backs. Not nothing against Strader or anything, because he could he'll be good in any year we're talking about. But there's really Jay not Jones. too many great ones. Jalen Milver and Jaden Daniels. I give you some surprising things and things I was wrong about as well. Oklahoma State losing by forty two to UCF. Um, if you want to talk about surprise, and uh, I don't, I don't even know what to say about this, but I really don't. I have no words for this one. Nothing. God could have told me this, and I'd be like, no, that ain't happening. That ain't happening. <laughs> um, Missouri blowing out Tennessee was insane. 36-7. to seven. Tennessee, had, Tennessee had all the Joe Minham in the world and nothing. Nothing Joe happened. Minham. Joe Minham is so inconsistent. He, and he was, talking some, he was talking some shit. My God. <laughs> he has the confidence of people I've never seen. Um, it's it who because he can throw a ball for it. That's it. That's it. Uh, UCA, UC, God, UCLA gets upset at home to a horrible Arizona State team. Let's put that out there. 17-7. to UCLA has a good defense, and their defense did fine, only giving up 17 points to Arizona State. Arizona State's on about their fourth quarterback now, and UCLA is too, though. So that's, that's something to keep in mind. But to only score seven points against this Arizona State team is wild. Arkansas losing by 40 at home. Um, Ollie Gordon having a terrible day. We've already talked about that. Kansas upset by Texas Tech at home. I know their second-string quarterback, Jason Bean, who's played like a first-stringer this year, was hurt in the first quarter. But still, I'm shocked by that. Texas Tech has not been very good this season at all. And Kansas had zero points going into the fourth quarter. Also, Hawaii upsets Air Force. Air Force 
started off 8-0 and and lost to probably two of the ten worst teams in FBS two weeks in a row. Um, this is the same Hawaii team that lost to Stanford and Vanderbilt to start the season. And they they beat Air Force, as well as Army beating Air Force last week, who lost to LSU 62 to nothing. Um, the fact that Air Force was ever ranked is a catastrophe. And they... Like it's kind of like we feel sorry for these teams. We we want to give them a chance because they're undefeated, but these teams should not be ranked just because they're undefeated. Because Air Force is probably the worst eight no team of all time. Yeah, they, they got ranked instead. Yeah, our bad. We're really not that good. Let's get into some games, guys. Carter, I know you got a lot to say about this, and I'm gonna let you have the floor. Arizona thirty four, Colorado thirty one. You know, I thought that. Colorado's um, defense would be good enough to at least like stop them when they came down to it, and they absolutely were down all time. Is what it looked like to me because Fido drove and they didn't tell the ball. You know, it's gone. I mean, Shador he 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 did what he always does, and I mean he's gonna get his numbers in any game. But I don't know what is exactly wrong with Colorado. I I just think it's a defensive thing. I think it's a offensive line, a defensive line, and defense in general thing for Colorado. Yeah, that uh, that Colorado run defense is horrible. Coleman looked like 2010 Trent Richardson out there. Yeah, eleven rushes, 179 yards for Coleman. He did what Alec should have did. Yes, yes. Um, Travis Hunter had a good day, five receptions, 74 yards. Xavier Weaver also five receptions, 84 yards. And Shadur and Fafita both had games you'd expect from them. Maybe a little underwhelming for um, Fafita, but he still had a really good day. And I thought against his Colorado defense that he would go a lot more than 214 yards, but also the same thing for Shadur because Arizona's defense is good, but it's not, it's not great. It's nothing that – it's no better than Shadur seen this year. I don't know if if Shadur messes around and gets a good O line, his numbers are gonna go down a lot. Because <laughs> they can't yeah. run the ball, he has to throw every play. Yeah, he he does have to. He does have to. I felt like this was kind of like an LSU Arkansas game where they were just going back and forth, and neither team could stop each other. So it was kind of like the last um, team to have the ball is gonna kick a field goal and win the ball game. That's what I kind of felt from this game, and Arizona did that with the last possession. What was the last time Arkansas couldn't stop LSU? Do what? What was the last time Arkansas couldn't stop LSU? Couldn't or could? Could. Oh, 2021, 16-13. Last year, LSU 13-10. That is true. No. Yep, take it back, take it back. Florida State, 27, Miami, 20. This game was a lot closer than I expected. Jace, you called it to be early, or you called it to be close early, and it was close all the way to the fourth quarter. Florida State kind of uh, got away from them when it was 27-13, to 13, but Miami got right back into it, and they had a chance to tie the ball game at the end of it. They started a second stringer, Emory Williams. He went 8 for 23, 175 yards and two touchdowns. The stats are not very good, but he did have a pretty good day against Florida State's defense. 
The bad thing was Emory Williams got hurt. So on the last drive, they put Tyler Van Dyke in, and he went two for seven, 29 yards, and one interception and lost in the ball game. Um, um, I'll say this, and I should probably get it trademarked at this point, but eight of oh 23, God. I could accidentally do better in my left arm. Yeah, they the stats are deceiving. I mean, he obviously didn't have a great game, but uh, Emory had a pretty good day, especially for his first start to be against Florida State. Yeah, it was a slow-paced, hard-fought game. It felt like a like a early 2010s SEC game. I think that's what gets me excited for this Florida State team because I think they can win in almost in almost any type of ball game. I think they can win in low scoring, high scoring, um, a defensive battle like this one. Even though Miami's defense is not is not great, it's it's pretty good. But that's what kind of gets me excited for uh, Florida State. Benson had a good day. Travis. Um, Jordan Travis had a pretty good day, 265 yards passing. Jacoby George for Miami. This is a kid that had three touchdowns on A&M earlier when A&M – or when um, Miami beat A&M. He had five receptions, 153 yards, and two touchdowns. Man. So of those, so of those eight completions that Emory Williams had, he had five for 153 in both touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Um. I don't know. I never really got that vibe that Miami was going to win this, especially the fourth quarter Keon Coleman touchdown. I felt like it was over after that. Yes. That game was a lot closer than I thought it was going to be, to be honest. Me too, man. Washington beats Utah in a hard-fought game, 35-28. to This game was 28-24 to at halftime, and I want to say that Washington has kind of slacked off, especially defensively, these past three, four weeks since the Oregon win. One of their best wins in program history. I know that's a, I know that's a stretch, especially if nothing really happens to this team this year. But the way their defense stepped up in the second half of this game, and I know it's Utah is not a great offensive team, and I've said it dozens of times on this podcast. But they scored, they outscored Utah eleven or nothing in the second half, and that's why they won this game. Yeah, it's another big game for Mississippi State Hall of Famer Dylan Johnson. Dylan Goes Johnson. this entry mark again. And again. I said he would not have a game like that against this Utah defense, and, man, I was wrong. Yeah, I wanted Utah to win this game really, really bad for whatever reason. I just wanted them to upset Washington. I like them upset. But, I mean, things and they're really good together. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. I got the – um. I got the impression that Utah was going to win this game. I thought this was going to be an upset, especially the way their their offense was having a field day in the first half. I was like, Utah, they scored 55 points last week against a terrible Arizona State team. So I do want to say that. But 28 points in the first half on a on a um, quality team or quality defense um, is really, really cool for Utah. Washington's defense is not very good, so they, I mean they really stepped up. They did just enough to win. I mean, they weren't phenomenal or anything. Uh, but the thing about it to me is Washington had plenty of chances to make this game unreachable. They had that interception return that the guy dropped the ball on the five yard line, and then they had the field goal that got blocked late in the fourth quarter to give Utah a chance. And so that's why it gives me a little confidence of Washington that hopefully that wouldn't happen again and they could win a game like this more comfortably. But Penix had another great day. Dunze had um, 111 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, so I'm pretty high on Washington after this one. Yeah, they just did that last drive by Bryson Barnes. God, that was I so have, 
I have it in my notes that the last drive was horrid. Yeah, it was terrible. I think that in order for Utah to win the game, he had to have a perfect game, honestly. And yeah. He just, he just Okay. Their uh, receiver, Devon Vale, had five receptions for 145 yards, Utah's did. Uh, go ahead, Jay. I'm not mean to interrupt you. What's wild is that Cam Risen was questionable for week one. It's week 12. He ain't got, the, he ain't got one play the whole nope. year. And he'll, 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 he'll play next year because of it. <sighs> Very weird strategy because this team with Cam Rising is a – could be an 11-1 and one team. I know it's weird to say, but they, they really could be. He's on a two-year ACL recovery. Yeah. <laughs> you know he's t- tore his ACL twice and two Rose Bowls. I would he never go to a Rose. I would never go to a Rose Bowl again in my life. I would sit out. Yep. <laughs> he did it against Ohio State in 2021 and last year versus Penn State. That's, yeah. That is insane. <laughs> um. Big SEC matchup, 2.30 kickoff. We had Gary Danielson, uh, the legend Gary Danielson on the call. Uh, Missouri, 36, Tennessee, 7. Holy shit, I did not see this coming. Man, Schrader, Heisman moment. Heisman moment. First player in SEC SEC history to have 200 rushing yards and 100 reception yards. He also had – did he have two touchdowns or just one? He might have just had one, but – 321 yards total. He touched the ball 40 times in this ballgame. I mean, yeah, he deserved to touch the ball 50, 60 times. Yeah. He, he's the, the, the machine of the team. He makes room. And that's the thing. Luther Burden, their receiver didn't, their star wide receiver didn't have to do much at all. No. He's had two flag games, to be honest. He has. He really has. I don't know if y'all seen this. Post game, but uh, Eli Drink stands on business, and business is booming, fellas. <laughs> Are y'all buying stock and Clemson? Nope. They figured it out way too late. <laughs> buy stock, buy stock. Dabo was funny, man. Dabo was funny. Got to give it to that. Um, but yeah, so. The past two years, Tennessee has averaged beating Missouri by 40 points a game. And Missouri beats them by almost 30 this one. So, pretty good get back for Drinkwitz. And this was a rivalry game. Drinkwitz and Josh Heupel, I don't know why, but they they, they hate each other. <laughs> Can you imagine them two fighting? Both of them had something to prove this game. And th- I think this season alone saved Eli Drinkwitz's job. Yes, yes, it did. A hundred percent. They started off slow. They had a um, they won week one pretty convincingly. In the second week, they were playing Middle Tennessee State and won twenty three to nineteen. A team that Alabama played the week before and won like fifty six to seven. I want to say fifty six to six. So yeah, so. Missouri fans were hating on him, and they also booed Brady Cook, and he'll never let you forget that. Does Drinkowitz get the A&M job? Oh, that's a weird job for me because um, name the top five most desirable universities in America, and, I mean, Texas A&M has to be up there. I think they're, I think they're at five. I think they're in that category. I'd say 
Texas, Alabama. I mean, it's kind of like the the uh, blue bloods. Texas, Alabama, Georgia. Now, um, you got to look at uh, the only thing is Texas A&M is Texas high school football is a is big for recruiting, but they also have so many schools in Texas they have to compete with. Like your Georgias, your LSU's, they have really good in-state talent, and no other universities really to compete with them. Their schools all over Texas. Yeah, all over, all over. I can't even, I can't even tell you all the schools in Texas. Even the D one schools in Texas, I couldn't name all of. But, I mean, Texas A and M has more money than I know what to do with. They have the fan base. They have all the equipment, up to date everything. So, there's, I don't, I don't know why people don't succeed there, but they don't. Don't I don't know either. You know <laughs> what? Especially hilarious, what's what would that? be hilarious is if. Uh, Texas a and hired Mike Norvell. <laughs> That'd be that great. That would be. That would be. You know who would be at Florida State next year if that happened? Jimbo. Deion freaking Sanders. That would be so cool. That would be so cool. Like, what if it happens if Mike Norvell wins it all this year? And then he's like, yeah, I'll go to A&M. Which I know that probably doesn't make sense. But he's like, yeah, I'll go to A&M. I think Florida State is big enough to hold A&M off. Yes. Yes, I think so, too. But um, that would be crazy if Dion got that job because remember he he got Travis Hunter from Florida State, so it'd be one big circle that Travis Hunter would yeah. eventually end up at Florida State. Uh, I just want to see Dion. I mean, Dion's gonna have Colorado rocking next year, probably. Like that place is probably gonna be they're probably gonna be a top twenty five team next year. Yeah, on near the line. That's it. I mean, you see, you see what a bad defense does in the Pac-12. I know they're moving to the Big to the Big Twelve, but I mean, they don't have to have. They don't have to have a fantastic defense. Is Colorado moving to the Big Twelve? Yeah. Well, that'd be nice for them because I mean, who's going to be left after Texas and Oklahoma leave? Uh, Kansas. Uh, Kansas State. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's going. For- Will they be the new Big Ten? They could, man. They could. Make sure. I think they are. Yeah, they've decided to return to the Big 12 next year. That's going to be fun, man. Um, Let's go to the biggest SEC of game of the day. Not the best. We'll get there in a little bit. Georgia, 52, Ole Miss, 17. This game started off fantastic for Ole Miss, and it started off normal. Lane Kiffin went for it on fourth down the first drive. And it worked, and they went up seven or nothing. They tied it at fourteen to fourteen, and then next thing you know, it was forty-five to fourteen in the fourth quarter. Yeah, it's very, very much like the Florida game where the Ole Miss just started off hot. There was guys streaking down the field wide open. Dart yep. looked good, and then I went to the bathroom and came back, and it was like fifty to nothing. I was like, "What? What happened?" <laughs> oh my 50 god, fifty to nothing. Uh, Carson Beck, another great game. Again, I really thought Ole Miss's defense has had improved, and they probably had compared to most years. But I, I know LSU ran all over them and threw all over them. But I thought compared to most years, this is a good Ole Miss defense. And they could not stop a thing on Saturday. Could not stop anybody. Kendall Milton had his best game probably ever. Uh, nine rushes, 127 yards, and two touchdowns. Nine rushes for 130 yards. That's That's almost 14 yards a carry. Video game number. Holy crap. 
Brock Bowers had a touchdown. <laughs> How is that possible? How is that possible? That's crazy. Cam, when you tore your ACL, you set out the whole senior year of football and basketball. Yes, that's ACL. I didn't have a tightrope surgery. Dude, if Brock Bowers tore his ACL, he might be out a month, maybe. Boy, I'm not Brock Bowers, Jake. And Brock Bowers ain't me. Let's get let's get that clear. Brock Bowers ain't Cameron Thresh. Yeah. Uh, Lad McConkey had a really good game, even though he did get hurt late in this game. So that's something to watch. Um, Dominic Lovett, the Missouri transfer, had 77 yards, and then Bowers had the touchdown. Dart started off hot, and his stats really did not reflect it. Thin out of 17, 112 yards, one interception. Trey Harris, their best receiver, I would say their best receiver, only had 12 yards. And then, does not mean anything at all, but Dayton Wade had one of the best catches of the year. I know um, yes, he did. Jackson Dart got a little banged up. I think their schedule after Saturday is pretty light, but I wonder what their game plan is going to be with him because they have two studs behind him. Yeah, they do. They do. Spencer Sanders came in and got some action. But um, y'all think this is Lane Kiffin's ceiling at Ole Miss? I think a 10 and 2. I think a ten and two and losing to two of the best teams in America, yeah, is probably, yeah, probably so. the ceiling for Lane Kiffin uh, at yeah. Ole Miss. At Ole Miss, I don't think it's all him. I think yeah, it's kind of the, I think it's kind of the resources and, um, I mean, Ole Miss could be a, a great program, but right now they're just. I think I think that is the best ceiling. I think after that performance he had against a top tier SEC school. And Jimbo getting fired, you're out of your mind if you think Lane Kiffin is not entertaining that A&M job. Absolutely, he almost entertained. He was pretty much entertaining the Auburn job last year. Yeah, yeah. He was posting on Twitter about the LSU job, and it came out that he never even got a phone call about the LSU job. <laughs> I'm surprised by that. That's who I wanted to hire. But I mean, let's continue with the games. I want him at Arkansas. I want Lane Kiffin at Arkansas. Shit. Yeah. Y'all, y'all know they want Dan Landing. Oh, we talked about it. But they want Dan Landing at A&M. They want Kalen DeBoer from Washington at A&M. It's like they just don't see what they're doing right now. It's like they don't see the opportunities they have right now in the Pac-12 and in the conferences they move to next year. Yeah, I think Oregon's staying in the Pac-12. Do what? I think Oregon is staying in the Pac-12. Uh, no, there ain't going to be a Pac-12 at all next year. Oh really? They're just ending the whole conference, the whole thing, the whole thing. There's not going to be a not going to be a Pac-12 conference. So all those teams going to another conference, or are they going somewhere? And some and some are independent. Wow, what a schedule to have! In, independent. Yeah. Oregon's going to a big team. Oregon is, yeah. Oregon is USC. Yep. So I mean, it's good for the Big Ten, like entertainment wise, but it's it's bad for Oregon, USC. Everybody in the Big Ten after that because it's about to get a lot more competitive. Have we been talking for an hour and one minute? Am I looking at that right? Yes, we have. That's and actually, we, that's we only talked about two games. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Four games, never mind. Pretty wild. Uh, Texas almost squanders another 20-point lead. Uh, third time in the last four weeks giving up a 20-point lead. They did it to Houston. They did it to Kansas State. And now they, own, they did it to TCU, but they pulled out all three of them. Uh, hey, Quinn Ewers is back. Let me stop you there, Thrash. I just okay, want to go on okay. record. I just want okay. to go on record saying that uh, last week my prediction for this game was that TCU is a team that could 
make it a game if given the opportunity. And Cameron Don Thrash, the host of this podcast, said I was delusional. I said, I said I was crazy. That's BS. That's BS. I said, can they? I said, can they really? I, said, I was crazy. All I did was ask a question. Smoking All I did was ask a question. Smoking I've been that taking, dope. I've been taking heat for it ever since uh, Saturday night. Guess what, fellas? Cameron Thrash was wrong. I asked a question. The biggest thing to come out of this ball game was, of course, Texas winning and surviving. But Jonathan Brooks is out for the season with an ACL injury. Yeah, that's tough that, news for Texas. That, that's huge for Texas. That really is. Who's left on their schedule? They have um, – let me look. I thought I had – I know they have Texas – oh, they have Texas Tech. They go to Iowa State this weekend, which that means a lot for the Big 12, if you didn't know. They go to Iowa State, and then uh, Texas Tech comes to Texas uh, the on Black Friday, I think. Yeah, Black Friday. Dude, I, I know this might be underrated, but I love Black Friday football. It's so fun to me. That's kind of weird. I just I just yeah, like any really like weird. any games on any oh, holiday. That's kind of weird. Because it's the rivalry games, man. The rivalry game. Oregon Oregon State play on Black Friday. Jason's get to the probably the best SEC game of the day. LSU 52, Florida 35. This game was back and forth up until about Midway point of the third quarter, then LSU kind of took control of it. I'm just going to say this now for the record. You can do whatever you want to with this information. Yes, sir. If you think Jaden Daniels is not the best player in college football, you are insane. It is. It really is crazy. It, people who don't think that at this moment are insane for thinking that. He literally was doing whatever he wanted to do. He had an 82-yard touchdown run. Yeah, night game there. There was no way Florida was coming out winning. What sucks, what sucks no way. About, what sucks about all this is that uh, the Florida-LSU rivalry is officially over, and LSU gets the last laugh five straight times. Five straight times. <clears throat> When's the last time um, – I'm trying to think of the last game they beat you. Was uh, it what, – what, yeah. Joe Burrow? 2018 Joe Burrow. He threw a pick six yep. to the end of the game. Yep, I remember. I do remember that. Uh, the so, next- yeah, Jaden Daniels, go ahead. The next week he uh, beat, it was like number two, Georgia or something, Jake Fromm. I do remember that as well. I want to say I ran all ran all over Georgia. Yep. Um, Oregon wins 36 to 27 over USC. The score makes it easier or makes it easier to look at, makes you think it's a closer game. Oregon was up 36 to 14 in the fourth. Bo Nix had a stellar day, four touchdowns as, um, had almost 200 yards and three touchdowns in the first five completions of the game. Yeah, that was um, crazy. Troy Franklin had two receptions, 147 yards and a touchdown. My gosh. <laughs> On two receptions. I am mad about this game, though, because <laughs> this was my lock of the week, and I would have got it if it weren't for that lazy fourth quarter. It was it was lazy. They, they just let them do. They let USC just score. I will say that uh, – USC's record has kind of got us forgetting how good Caleb Williams is. He made some plays in this game. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. He's still one of the best players in the in the sport. I'd say yeah. probably top ten at the moment. Yeah. And he has sure. he has ability he has the ability and capability to be the best player in the sport. But yeah. Did you see uh, Chase, the uh, go ahead. Yeah. after the game they were leaving the tunnel? That Oklahoma fan uh-uh. that yelled at Lincoln Rally. Oh and yeah, it, he said you betcha or something. Yeah, yeah. He's like, F you, Boomer Sooner, or something like that. <laughs> that was that was weird. 
That was weird. Jason, did you see North Carolina and Duke at all? Yeah, yeah, I watched the end of that game. Dude, that was a heck of an end of that game. Kelsey's brother had money on North Carolina just winning, and they did it, but it did not look easy. I think it was the best ending of the day. Four lead changes in final in the final five minutes. Gene Chizik, North Carolina's defensive coordinator, if you didn't know that. Him, him and Mac, Mac Brown showed you what not to do as a defensive coach late in the fourth. It was fourth and seven. They're up 33-29 to 29 with 40 seconds left. Duke has to go for it, and they can't kick a field goal because they're down four. Duke has the backup quarterback in. Riley Leonard's ankle is bothering him. And Chiswick sends nine players at the quarterback. Yeah. And Loftus throws an easy goal route to score a touchdown. They go up 36-33. But luckily for Gene Chiswick, Drake May gets them down the field, and they score a field goal to tie it up and go into overtime and win the ball game. Yeah, I remember you texting saying, uh, can Drake May do it? And, like, it's probably four seconds later, you're like, yeah, he can. (laughs) <laughs> he let him down there pretty quick he definitely did he definitely did Anyhow, um how much longer do you think matt brown's gonna coach i don't know i don't know i'm pretty sure he Man. rode over here with christopher columbus <laughs> he goes seven and zero every year just to go nine and three Man, i mean i guess he's getting made north carolina but if you're north carolina i feel like you can do better now jason that's a basketball school right there that is a basketball school. Nah, I'm kidding. They they they've been um, good in football. Just can't get over the hump. They like I said, they go undefeated for a while, and then they lose a bad one, and then it just quickly just plummets. The season plummets. Omarion Hampton, he's second in the country in rushing yards. He had 169 yards and one touchdown on this ball game. Tez Walker, the guy that couldn't play until week four or week five because of the NCAA stupidity, uh, seven receptions, 162 yards. And Jordan Moore for Duke had three touchdowns uh, receiving. Good for Tez Walker. I'd like to see it. Screw the NCAA. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Jace, staying in the ACC, Louisville barely gets past Virginia after y'all said, remember y'all said this was not an interesting game whatsoever. Louisville went up 14 or nothing. Virginia got a pick six and then a fumble return touchdown. Um, I think they were on offense, though. The guy picked up the offensive player's fumble and ran it back for a touchdown. And um, they went up 24-17, to and Louisville scored on two back-to-back plays uh, to go up 31-24, to and that was that was the ball game. Everything about this game was so ugly. I mean, they were doing, like, zoom-outs of the crowd, and it was maybe at 80%. <laughs> the crowd was so terrible. Bad. The crowd was to, terrible. I had to stay up till 10.30 on a Thursday to be able to post who wins, yeah, man, it was terrible. Yes, I mean, good was, for Louisville, they kept their ACC championship hopes alive. Yeah, they did. They did. Um, that game for them means everything. Um, somehow, they still have a chance to go to the playoff, even though they lost to a horrible um, Pittsburgh team, and they almost lost to a horrible Virginia team. And so they do have a shot to go to the playoff, but it'll take a lot of upsets, and of course they have to beat Florida State, which is a tall task. Alabama runs all over Kentucky, 49-21. to Jalen Milrose, six total touchdowns. He had four rushing touchdowns last week against LSU, and he had three in this one. Yeah, it was kind of a high moment for him. He's yes, it was. Get, he's trying to get his name up there, and if if he wins out, dude, he could, he could get an invite. Definitely, definitely. 
I don't think he'll win it or anything, but he definitely could get an invite. Um, let's see, Iowa, 22 to nothing. They are most likely still going to the Big Ten Championship. They beat Rutgers 22 to nothing. This was a historically low, we talked about on Thursday, historically low over-under at 28, and they still got it too high. They still had the over-under too high at 28. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> insane. I can't say it enough. Big Ten is just good football. <laughs> it's just good quality football. California beats Washington State 42-39. to What the hell is wrong with Washington State? All right, you jinxed them. I guess so. Six straight loss after – uh, beating Oregon State thirty-eight to thirty-five and going four and zero, they're now four and six. Yeah, that's a bad football team. It, dude, it's insane. They've lost to Arizona State, um, and they have Colorado next week. And I, I'd probably pick Colorado. Yeah, but it's going to be a game. <laughs> they're both fighting for bowl eligibility. Both at four and six, they got to win out. Oregon State, one of the most underrated teams in the nation. Their only losses are to Washington State, who I just talked about, and uh, Arizona. But who in the Pac-12 hasn't lost to Arizona, you know? Yeah. Um, they put up 62 points on Stanford. Damian Martinez has four touchdowns, one of the best running backs in the nation. Yeah, I agree. You know, I mean, I didn't get to watch a lot of this game. but I didn't either. I didn't either. I watched uh, the highlights, but that's it. Yeah, same. I mean, it's a fun game to watch. 62 points, absolutely. Yeah. Um, back to the Big 12, Oklahoma 59-20. to Dylan Gabriel had 423 yards and five touchdowns on Neil Brown's West Virginia defense. And West Virginia's had a pretty good season this year, but today was not their day. Also, three rushing touchdowns on the ground for Dylan Gabriel. He had eight touchdowns in this game. <laughs> eight touchdowns is crazy to me. <laughs> it is crazy. There's a he lot had, of um, All of them. 56 points. Yeah. 50, yeah. He had every touchdown. So a lot of guys this past weekend that want to get that Heisman Trophy, or at least in the conversation. Schrader, yes. Milrow, Gabriel, all of them made a statement like, hey, I just want to be in the conversation. Uh, Jace, who had the – let's get to the questions. Who had the best performance of the week? Let's see, my performance of the week is Jaden Daniels, 606 total yards of five touchdowns, leaped himself oh. back into the number one spot in the Heisman. It's a homer pick. I got to be honest. It's a homer pick. Oh my god! No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Mine is Dylan Gabriel. Almost 500 total yards and eight total touchdowns. I had to give it to him. That is an insane stat. Um, best win of the week. Georgia by a landslide. Okay. Okay. I had um, Missouri over Tennessee. Tennessee was picked by two, and then also beat them by average of 40 points the last two years. And Drinkwitz got his revenge. And it kind of put Missouri on, like, really, really good to great team in college football. Like, they were on the outside looking in. Even when they lost to Georgia, we were like, man, that's a that's a pretty good team. And they impressed us a little bit. But this, they're going to be the second-best team in the East this year. And that's a hard division when you got Georgia in there. And out of everybody Georgia's played, that's the team that gave them a run for their money. Yes. Yep. This this is a hard one, Jace. There's so many this week. The most disappointing team of the week for you. I don't think it's that hard. Oklahoma State. Okay. Okay. I was going Oklahoma State too, but I had five candidates. Uh, Penn State, Arkansas, Kansas, Air Force, and Oklahoma State. Penn State obviously putting up fifteen points at home in a game where they had looked like they had no chance all game. 
Arkansas losing by 40 at home after an awesome performance at Florida last week. Kansas losing to Texas Tech at home while not having any points into the fourth quarter. And Air Force losing to two sorry, sorry, sorry-ass teams back-to-back. But, yeah, it's got to be Oklahoma State. If they won out, they were in the Big 12 championship, and they lose by 42 to UCF. Yeah, that's that's a bad weekend. Gosh, I mean, and man, I'm such a big Oklahoma State fan too. Yeah, me too. I mean, you can't get mad. They they lost to one time national champion UCF. <laughs> oh man, what a year that was! Golly, who was their? Do you have any idea who was their coach that year? Scott Frost. That is crazy. That's how he got the Nebraska job was his back-to-back national championships. Oh, my God. <laughs> Chase, who are the five best college football teams in America? This does not have to be a ranking, so it does not have to be like this team's undefeated, so it has to be part of the top five. Just who is playing the best football in the world? I'm going to say Georgia at number one. Okay. Oregon at number two. Alabama at number three. Ohio State four, and Washington at five. Okay, okay. I have um, Georgia. Obviously, I think Georgia is the best team in the country. I believe everybody should have Georgia as the best team in the country, except for Joe Klett, your boy Joe Klett. Um, I have Oregon at number two, just because since that Washington loss, this team has looked unstoppable and unbeatable. They have put 63 points on Cal. They destroyed Utah. Um, they this past weekend they destroyed USC for three and a half quarters. I have three Michigan because they have a terrible schedule, but they dominated everybody on their schedule. And then when it comes to a pretty big test, they looked uh, at least on the ground game they looked as good as what you would think. Uh, Alabama is playing the best, some of the best football in the, in America since uh, since figuring out their, who their starting quarterback was and letting Jalen Milrow be a runner, be kind of who he is. They have been awesome. And Ohio State, they have really good wins on the uh, season. They're starting to figure out, or they know Marvin Harrison's their best player by a mile, and they're feeding him the ball as a wide receiver. Yeah, I can't disagree with you. We all have the same teams, just different order. <laughs> um, your Heisman list, Jace, one through four or three or five, whoever, whatever you want to do. I'll do five. Go longer if you want to. I do five. I think I kind of got a little bit of a shocker here too. Um, okay, you're not going to agree with it, I don't think. So, number one, Jaden Daniels, no explanation, best player in college football. Number two, Michael Penix Jr. And then three, I'll have Bo Nix. They're pretty similar. Bo Nix is putting up a little bit better numbers, but I feel like he's not playing as good defenses. One game against top fifty defense, like I said earlier. Number four. That was my argument last week. Number four, Malik Neighbors. Okay, okay. Best wide receiver in the country. And number five gotcha. is Marvin Harrison Jr. Close okay. number five. Uh, I could definitely see if you had him or Neighbors flip-flop, though. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. I, I haven't really thought about putting Neighbors up there, but his stats are deserving and just, man, he can change a ball game in a split second. Uh, One, Jaden Daniels. Obviously, we talked about it. Uh, I have two Bo Nicks, actually. I think Bo Nicks has been playing the better football these past three or four weeks since losing to Washington, and he was not bad against Washington. Let's, uh, let's throw that out there. Uh, Michael Penix, because I think 
I think if Jaden Daniels does, I don't see him falling off at all. But if there's any chance he does not um, sustain this, and it, I mean sustaining this is tough. But I believe the winner of that Pac-12 championship game is your Heisman, if if it's not Jaden Daniels. Yeah, I can agree um, with that. Four, I have Marvin Harrison. Five, I, I don't even have a number five, but I'll give you a five. It is uh, Carson Beck steal, um, and Ollie Gordon just he just fell out the top. He fell out the top ten, probably. I think I'd put Dylan Gabriel over Carson Beck. I, I'd have to put Carson Beck over him. I know this this um, past game was unreal by Dylan Gabriel, but what he did against Kansas was ugly. And the Oklahoma State game, he was not great in. Had some had some questionable throws. But Carson Beck has got up for every game, so I gotta I would have to take Carson Beck over. So let's put our top five together. Okay. Jaden Daniels, number one. Yep. Number two, I'm going to say Michael Penix Jr. just because of the defenses he's faced over Bo Nix. And he has the head-to-head win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a huge deal. I'll give him I'll give him Michael Penix. Number three, Bo Nix. Three, Bo Nix. If we want to go stats-wise, which I think I will on this occasion, Malik Neighbors is number four over Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah, I mean, he's got better stats. But I put him up there because he also affects the game. Against Bama, that's a top three cornerback core in the country. And he was doing whatever he wanted to. Yep. So, Jaden Daniels, Michael Penix, Bo Nix, Neighbors, and Marvin Harrison. I think that's a hell of a top five. It is. Dude, if Jaden Daniels does not win the Heisman, I'm going to lose my mind. It... It would be annoying. It's like, what do we have the award for if he doesn't want to have them? I don't know. And you can tell. I, don't, I know you probably don't listen to the press conferences and stuff, but Brian Kelly's press conferences, he wants Jane Daniels to win the Heisman. So late in the uh, Florida game, they ran – was going to be a jet sweep to Brian Thomas for touchdown. They changed it to a pop pass so that Jaden Daniels would get the, the stats for it. He what? said that. Yeah. He wants him to win the Heisman. I mean, there's nothing left for LSU to play for, really. Get your guy Heisman. Yeah, yeah, really. That is true. That is true. Uh, JC can't come back next year, can he? No, 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 no. But um, I think it also helps the university a lot because that's two quarterbacks in four years. Yeah, just a few year time period that were told that, or not told, but they just didn't do good where they were. They came to LSU and had such a big step forward that they could both win a Heisman Trophy. It's man, it's the year of the transfer portal. It really is. I mean, you have Jaden Daniels come from Arizona State. You have Bo Nix come from Auburn. You have Michael Penix Jr. coming from Indiana. Um, it's, it's it's insane what the transfer portal has done and allowed people to do. And that's what gives me hope about. I mean, I'm talking a lot about LSU now, but. Gives me a lot of hope about that defense because the transfer portal can completely change a team instantaneously. Yep. That's why um, – and it starts – the transfer portal opens like in three weeks – or December 1st, I want to say. So A&M has to be – they have to be confident in that they have a coach, and that's why they did that pretty confidently. They have a coach that they've been talking to and have had communication with um, because the transfer portal means everything for A&M. You know how many players they can lose – in that little period, 
Oh, I'm sure that there's going to be just a wave of decommits in the yes. near future. Yep. It's got to be. It happens every every time a coach gets fired. Yep. And you can say what you want to about Jimbo, but that dude can recruit. He can recruit, man. He's always been able to recruit. That's the thing. Did you see the uh, the plaque A&M gave Jimbo that had the blank date yes. on there? The yes, I did. I saw that clip today. A couple more things. I know it's just rumors right now. It's not yeah, official. go ahead. Official business or breaking news or anything. But I believe that there are rumors of Pittman getting out of Fayetteville. There are tons of sources. Um, th- they came out yesterday and saying – now, this was a stupid tweet that I don't think is true whatsoever. They said that Sam Pittman's out and they're eyeing Gus Malazan. But I don't think – I don't believe that's true at all because reports have come out today that Sam Pittman is conf- – people are confident that he's retaining his job. So, you just can't believe anything yet. Gus would be a really good hire, I think. I, I was saying that two months ago. My dad would. He would not be an Arkansas fan anymore, probably, if Gus. But I would not mind it. I would not mind if Gus Malzahn came to Arkansas. Yeah. What he I'm did like at a, Auburn, man. It's a good hire. I mean, he had, he's one of that. No, no, that's Gene Chizik. Never mind. Gene Chizik. Yeah. The but, um, Gene Chizik. I'll go ahead and give my my theory of Deion Sanders on the pod so everybody can hear it. Okay. So, Deion Sanders could be the next Arkansas Razorback head coach. Due to his time in Dallas, he played under Jerry Jones, right? Jerry basically owns the Hogs. I don't know how, I don't know how good of a relationship him and Jerry have, but that might be someone that Jerry is willing to just give a blank check to. Yes, um, that is that is true, man. It's a it's a low tier SEC or it's a high enough tier SEC job to win big games, but low enough tier to take a chance on someone like Dion. I think we had the same ceiling Ole Miss does. Yeah, I'm, I think I have a little bit higher ceiling than Ole Miss. Uh, yeah, um, maybe close. I don't know. I was going to say closer to Auburn, but Auburn's won a national championship. I don't know. I yeah. think. I mean, it's a good job. It really is. And it would be. It'd be groundbreaking for the university to get their first black head coach. Man. It would be. It would be. Man, it would be it would be awesome. It really would be. Man, it's just a win win for everybody. Make it happen, Arkansas. As LSU fan, don't make it happen, but as a college football yep. fan, make it happen. Have some balls under your check. Have some balls. That's all I got, man. Oh no, I don't. James Madison is ten and oh. That's it. Ten and no. Jace. Oregon State is hosting Washington this week at Corvallis, Oregon. That place is going to be insane. If Oregon State wins the next two, they are in the Pac-12 championship. And now they have Oregon the next week, so it's a tough two. It is a tough two. But College Game Day decided to go to James Madison and Appalachian State. They, they, want, to give James, they want to give James Madison the, the love, and they do deserve it. I mean, they're probably not even going to a bowl game because of the dumbass NCAA. But yeah, what's the deal with that? They can't go to a bowl game because I think this is like their – is this the third year or second year in actual FBS? And um, there's like a rule that's got to be three years or something like that. But oh they're not going to a bowl game. But they appealed it about two or three weeks ago. So you know how NCAA is with timing. Yeah. It's just like who runs that stuff? What old white men sit in chairs and decide this for teams? Probably never played football in their life. So – I will go on a rant about the NCAA if given the opportunity. You got it. So, 
Did you watch the Florida LSU game? Yes. Did you see uh, the LSU defender get ejected for targeting? Yes, I did. That is absolutely abysmal officiating. He got lower than the defender or than, than yes. the running back. Yep, he was making like a. He was he was having to go lower. He was having to go as low as he could. No one thought so much about it that Florida jumped up and was trying to run the hurry up offense and got stopped. They didn't even think it was targeting. And then you're coming off a game where Jaden Daniels takes that horrible hit. It's reviewed, determined it wasn't targeting. LSU sends it in to the NCAA. They review it and determine that it wasn't targeting either. But then <laughs> something like that, dude, it's like, I don't know. You have to you have to make a rule and have have check marks of what it is, you know? I feel like they're yep. just doing whatever. There's just no consistency whatsoever. Like, no one knows what targeting is. No one knows that's what roughing the passer is. That's what's so annoying. Um, inconsistency with rules is the most annoying part. It's like, you can, they can set up a new rule, and you can be like, damn, that rule sucks. But if it's consistent with what you can't do, then you're going to be like, no, I can't do that. I can't, I can't get a penalty. If you do 10, thing, 10 things 10 different ways, you might get a um, ejection. You might get ejected 7 out of 10 times. Yeah, it's just it's so it's so stupid. Then, it's so stupid how it goes. And you can't even really fix it. Like the NFL tried to fix the bad pass interference calls. Name one time a coach has challenged the pass interference and it got overturned. Never. That's how it goes. Like those so Madden, Madden challenges. You're asking the refs that made the bad call to look at their mistake and own up to it. That that's not going to happen. Not going to happen. They're, they just get no discipline. They get no discipline. And the reason, I think, is because they're not full-time employees. Like, if these were on these were salaried employees, that's when I think you could have some discipline and some um, reactive criticisms and I mean, put them in a press conference. Put Dude, them in something. Amazing. That would Did be amazing. Just put them in something they have to answer to like everybody else does. Yeah, and it just gets worse and worse. I don't think I've watched a game this year where I was like, man, that officiating, on point. Nope. I, it's just something you have to um, you have to be okay with. Like, you have to just anticipate and uh, just know what's going to happen because they're going to be terrible calls, terrible calls in almost every game you watch. And you just have to be okay with it. Yeah. You can't do anything about it. The coach can't do anything about it. You can send it to the NCAA and they can review it and tell you that you're wrong. Next, yeah, the damn rules expert can't do anything about it. He'll no. come on there, talk for thirty seconds, and be like, "Yeah, them refs, I don't know what they're doing," and does not do a thing. Like, what is he there for? No, I have no idea. And he's wrong most of the time. He'll get on there and <laughs> give this big long explanation about why it's this, and not even close. I think the most lucrative jobs and the easiest jobs to be a fired SEC coach. And a rules expert. Yeah, imagine being both. <laughs> imagine Jimbo Fitcher's the next rules expert. <laughs> Dude, he's a personality. He'll be on something. College game. Wa- wonder where he will go, man. You know, he's the most fast-talking guy I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, I don't like him. He can get uh, 300 words, and you might not say a sentence. It doesn't make sense either. Him and Dabo need to have a... Need to be on the Joe Rogan podcast. (laughs) 
Oh man, that would be funny. That would be funny. Um, I think I was about to say something, but I forgot it. But wonder where where he will go. Like, do you think? I think he coaches again. I don't know who would take a chance on him after that. I mean, I think some small school like a, you know, all those up and coming schools like a Coastal Carolina. A, I mean, Troy's doing fantastic right now. Um, Tulane, Tulane's doing good, but they're, they're those coaches will move on. I mean, something like that. You know, Gus Malzahn went from the from top of the ranks of the of the SEC to a uh, UCF. Like Jimbo didn't get to the top of the ranks of the SEC, and I still think he'll go somewhere like that if he wants to. He might not even want to. You think he'll pull like a Kiffin and get fired, go to a small school, dominate, and get another shot? Maybe, maybe. Just Kiffin was so young. Like Jimbo Fisher's yeah. kind of setting – he's setting his ways. Yeah, that's true. Um, Like a – imagine he goes to a Texas Tech. That'd be cool. Lubbock, Lubbock is insane. It is. That crowd environment. I mean, you saw they almost beat Oregon. <laughs> it's crazy. And they, they're terrible. Hey, baby. That's really all I got, man. Damn, all my right. mic's up. Your mic what? I'm messing with the volume. I'm looking at the bar to see how loud it is. When I talked, it was all red. Does this sound oh. louder now? A little bit, yeah. It still sounds good, though. The mic's good. Man. I got to get me a mic. Yeah, I gotta. I won't have this camera next to me. I had to dig this camera out to be able to use my laptop. Really? Oh, but yeah, I just got my phone in that ring light, man. It's it's awesome. From what I've seen, the iPhone is like the best camera to use for a podcast. Exactly. That's what I do all the YouTube videos with. Jace, I did a YouTube video, recorded it for. It took me like fifteen minutes to record. One of the easiest videos I've ever done is my top ten college football. So it was just easy, and um. I edited it on CapCut and put all of these different images and stuff in it to make it easier to watch and listen to, not boring. And I can't export it. I, I put in three hours of work on this thing, and it's just like the file's too big or something. But, boy, it drove me crazy. Yeah, forget that. That made me mad. I appreciate y'all for watching this, the fifth episode of the 4th and Long Podcast. We'll have the preview of Week 12 out sometime this week. Um, but, yeah, thanks for watching. Go Tigers. I am. Uh...